Hey, everybody. So here we are with part two of our interview with Giacomo Zucco. We get right into it. We're actually continuing the discussion from last week uh, on central banking and how Bitcoin is going to influence, deal with, and disrupt the monopoly of central banking and uh, the response from central banks. You guys know we like this topic. Uh, it's a pretty in-depth discussion we've had with Giacomo on this. So if you have time and you haven't listened already, I definitely would listen to part one before uh, you listen to part two because we jump right into it. After that, we talk about what Giacomo is doing with the RGB open source protocol and his hope for tokenizing assets on Bitcoin and a bit about the Lightning Network as well. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks again, as always, for listening. Take care. And what I think is also one, one way in which they are trying to perhaps fight against a Bitcoin or propose or introduce a new competition is digitalizing their own currencies. So having a, a central bank cryptocurrency, which is a misnomer, it's an oxymoron. And, but this is something that I'm trying to do. And so I want to ask you two questions. First, what do you think of this? Uh, I, I can call it a trend, central banks issuing a digital version of their paper money. And the second question is, uh, even though some countries might, some central banks might uh, dismiss it, in some cases, I can even see some other central banks, central banks actually demanding bitcoins. And I will recall one uh, one interesting uh, news that we had. I think it was in the beginning of July, where the central bank, the government of Iran, they are still trying to withdraw 300 million in cash from a Iranian German bank in Germany. And the German authorities, they're still <laughs> trying to, to think if they're going to uh, honor the, the demand and, and, and withdraw the cash, 300 million cash or not. And because of sanctions, of course, Iran, they, they need the cash because they're, they're, they have the, the fear they're not going to be able to access the payment system, the international payment system. In this way, I even see central banks like Iran uh, viewing in the future Bitcoin as perhaps the only exit from this monetary, uh, I'd say, apartheid that we have in the world. What do you think of this possibility as well? Yeah, I think it, this, go, this goes back to, to, to our previous discussion about the possibility that, cent that some central banks, not, not every central bank, will use Bitcoin as a server, will start to use Bitcoin as a, a value transmittance uh, way uh, in, a, in order to uh, solve their specific problem or uh, compete with other central banks. I, I think that especially, uh, uh, let's say, uh, developing countries, central banks uh, are, are or or not not super mainstream central banks. So not the European central banks, uh, uh, central bank, and not the Fed, but other uh, central banks that can use Bitcoin in order to overcome some obstacle like the one you, you said. So uh, central banks using Bitcoin are a little bit of a paradox because, as as we said, uh, if if only this central bank uses Bitcoin, it, it is better off in regard uh, of other central banks if Bitcoin works. So they will have a better reserve uh, medium, they will have uh, more uh, more ways to transfer their wealth, so they could be better off. 
But if uh, everybody uses Bitcoin as money, which will be a, an effect of every central bank uh, using Bitcoin as a reserve, then we will get back to a super gold standard where people can actually automatically withdraw their gold without any need for uh, the representative trust-based part. So it will be, uh, 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 let's say, it's uh, like a, a problem of, uh, of, uh, uh, of doses. Uh, Bitcoin at little doses can help some specific central bank in the short range. While uh, Bitcoin in, uh, in huge doses will uh, eventually destroy the central banking model itself, if successful. So uh, I don't think that, that, could, that this could be um, sustainable uh, and generalized use cases. They could be uh, differential, specific, uh, paradoxical, but, uh, but effective uh, use cases in, in the meanwhile. Uh, then there is the, the, the most general question of uh, a central bank uh, uh, adopting its own cryptocurrency, uh, which is another another paradox. Uh, if you think about it, uh, it's not really a it's not really a, a, a question of uh, digitalization. Uh, many central banks are managing right now a monetary base which is mostly already digitalized. So uh, the, the 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 great part of the monetary mass of the uh, mass of the U.S. dollar and of the euro uh, is already digital without a, a physical paper counterparty. So it's not that, that central banks are mostly issuing paper. They're mostly issuing digital tokens. The differences are who is, uh, the, the access to this digital, digital token. They are giving access to these uh, uh, base digital token only to commercial banks that can then issue other digital tokens in uh, bank accounts and so on. So the access is not direct, but is uh, intermediated by a regulated uh, a system of regulator uh, gatekeepers, which are the banks. And the question is, of course, they could be more similar to Bitcoin, giving direct access to people, uh, to normal people in their cell phone to the, uh, to the uh, M0 uh, monetary base. But the question would be, why? Why, why would they want to do that? Uh, uh, central banks are an emanation of the government and the government want to have this intermediary system uh, uh, to which to delegate some of the function, some of the police function, some of the uh, money, uh, money printing function through fractional reserve. So it's actually useful for the, 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 for the needs of the governments to have this scheme with a central bank with a very close permissionless digital ledger, let's say, and then uh, commercial banks with, uh, uh, that, that are opening more and more this, uh, let's say, federated system. So yeah, they, they are already digital in a way. They could go full digital and they are trying to do that in many countries, especially in Northern Europe, in order to get rid of uh, cash. They could go uh, open and uh, with direct access by the citizen, but that will not be in their best interest. So why would they, would they do that? They could, bet, they could get similar to Bitcoin, uh, avoiding uh, nominal uh, KYC and AML policies and nominal tracking of everything. So they could try to stop tracking money uh, and controlling money and controlling people, but yet again, that was not in the best. That would be not in the best interest of the government that want to track uh, financial exchanges in order to tax them or to stop them uh, if they are, uh, for example, for capital flight or or, or whatnot. And the third, uh, sorry, the fourth thing could be 
to move the digital the digital currency that the central banks are already issuing uh, from uh, a arbitrary issuing policy to a, some kind of algorithmic fixed uh, issuing policy. So in this way, they will get similar, more similar to Bitcoin. Uh, but but yet again, why would they want to do that? Because uh, uh, there is no reason they want to limit their own discretionality powers. So uh, the the the, uh, the the cryptocurrency of the central bank uh, 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 doesn't have any sense if you if you if you mean the the word cryptocurrency properly. It does make sense if you reduce the meaning of cryptocurrency just to digital money. But then we have to say that the central banks are already using cryptocurrencies, if you mean just digital money, since many, many years. I want to switch the uh, switch gears on what we talk about. But before we do, we still have one more question that I think would be interesting to ask you regarding the uh, sort of centralized powers trying to influence or get involved with Bitcoin. And that is sort of back, as I was saying before, with Europe, l- l- more on the fiscal side. How do you foresee maybe the state, and, and they probably have to do this in in, in some way, in conjunction with the central bank, anyway, to fund their their mines or their operation. But well, what about this idea that the state might be quote forced to mine Bitcoin just like everybody else? You know, I think there are at least two U.S. cities, uh, Virginia Beach. I saw this year and last year it was uh, maybe it was the state of Montana or a, a town in Montana. But local U.S. governments have actually utilized jobs bills, like as part of a jobs bill, they funded. A Bitcoin uh, mining farm. Do you see that trend increasing? I don't. I think that that's a very, very long-term trend. Uh, there, again, Eric Bosquil has this model that uh, eventually the government will have to, uh, in the acceptance phase, the government will have to start mining, trying to outcompete uh, free market miners in order to regain control over this new monetary mean. So, uh, it's. I think it's a very, very a long-term scenario because you need uh, in, in order to so why should you mine uh, you should mine in order to make some money but then you don't really need to to open up a mining farm you can just if you think Bitcoin will go up you just buy Bitcoin if Bitcoin will go down your mining uh, uh, your mining uh, operation will become unprofitable anyway so there is not a strict reason uh, for for government and institutions to start mining just to make money uh, a long-term reason to, to mine would be uh, to try to get to the 51% uh, to the more than 50% ash power and then being able to censor again uh, transaction. So uh, as we said before, Bitcoin makes uh, uh, monetary manipulate monetary based manipulation impossible and uh, censorship very 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 difficult. Uh, the government uh, even even uh, getting 60% of the ash power wouldn't help uh, in order to get back uh, the monetary mani- monetary based manipulation powers but it could help getting back some kind of uh, uh, censorship power so if uh, if uh, this government or this uh, f- uh, alliance of government has uh, 60% of the hash rate of the network they can start censoring transaction again even if uh, with pseudonymity and fungibility is very very difficult to understand what they are censoring but they can try uh, and in the in the model of uh, eric again uh, there will be like uh, some kind of competition be- between the tax funded mining operation by the government and the uh, black market funded uh, through fees 
mining operation of the of the free market. The, the, the ratio will be that uh, the government uh, wants to control the hash rate in order to censor. And this is the reason why uh, miners who do not want to censor will be able to raise more fees uh, by the transactors that do not want to be censored. So the black market should basically subsidize the, 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 the free market miners against the government miners. I, I think this is rationally uh, a, a good model. I think it, it makes sense from a rational point of view. Uh, it's still very, very science fiction to me. I, I don't see any kind of trend in this direction. I don't. I don't see. I don't think that any nation state takes the Bitcoin threat seriously enough in order to start to think about something like this. This is a very, very late stage uh, fight that we will probably witness if Bitcoin succeed in five to ten years at least. So I, I don't think there is anything yet there. Of course, uh, some governments can decide right now to mine Bitcoin just to, to make money. But as I said, I'm, I'm not sure that's a very good idea in general. Yeah, mining, Bitcoin mining is a, is a, could be a profitable venture like everything else, but it's more risky than, than many other ventures. So they could, and also it's, it's real work. So institutions and, and states, they are used to get money without doing anything. Uh, when they really have to do proof of work, that's basically working. So you have to uh, to build and, and, and maintain the, the mine. You have to uh, to extract electricity. That's real work. And governments are not very good in doing real work in order to produce money. And just just in general, does mining centralization by free market actors does it bother you at all? And if it does bother, if this is a problem, do you see the changing of the proof of work algorithm as one solution or one of the solutions? So it it does bother me not by itself because I think that in the free market, without any kind of violence, uh, um, uh, natural. Uh, de facto monopolies can can form and can be dissolved by the market itself. The the only th reason uh, that ASIC centralization, not really mining centralization, more ASIC production uh, centralization. I make this distinction because the the act of mining itself uh, surely suffers some centralization pressures. Uh, well, economies of scale in general and and, and so on. But it also suffers a lot of decentralization pressures like thermodynamical and legal as well. Uh, if any state starts to try to censor or regulate or shut down mining, then uh, small hidden uh, stealth miners has an have an advantage over big uh, public uh, uh, vi super visible miners. So there are centralization, cent centralizing pressures and decentralizing pressures in mining as well. And I think they compensate each other pretty well uh, in, in this like uh, negative feedback mechanism. What is not uh, balanced by any, any negative feedback mechanism is ASICS production in itself. So produ producing ASICS is, is a very, very uh, central, is a very, very industrial pro uh, pr uh, process right now. So you have the bit main problem. So uh, again, this doesn't bother me directly because, uh, yeah, it's the free market. Now you have Bitmain, then you will have somebody else competing. But it doesn't, it does bother me because being a centralization, it represents an attack vector, uh, from the not free market for the not free market to attack. So if you have Bitmain by itself is not a problem. It's just competition unless the centralization of Bitmain, which is the case, 
is a very, very, very uh, good spot, a soft spot in order to attack Bitcoin from an extra market uh, uh, actor like the Chinese government in this, in this uh, example, but or other governments. So uh, it is a problem. Um, I do think that uh, uh, technological evolution could mitigate, not resolve completely, but mitigate the prob- this problem. Basically, the, the theory says that when we go uh, closer and closer to the, uh, to the uh, quantum, quantum mechanics limit of uh, chip miniaturization, at least in one single layer, uh, you should have uh, as low as low, you should see the uh, the evolution process slowing down considerably, and so you should you should get some kind of commodification uh, uh, of mining hardware. So the mining hardware will not evolve so fast, and that will allow many many people to out to compete and eventually outcompete uh, Bitmain uh, in a in a healthy market competition. Uh, this is uh, a possibility. We are still a little bit far from it. Then there is the possibility that uh, uh, that uh, inc- giant incumbents, which are very very strong in other sectors uh, like uh, Samsung or, or or whatever, they will directly overcompete, uh, uh, outcompete Bitmain entering this market, which is something that I think or Intel or whatever. I think we are kind of close to see. But then there is not necessarily a good thing because Bitmain is a is a very good spot uh, is a very good centralized actor that can be used by Bitcoin adversaries. But Intel would be as well, if not even worse. Uh, not probably not worse, but 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 it would be uh, it would be problematic as well. Uh, so commodification is is one key. Uh, uh, proof of work change uh, it uh, it could be a mitigation. But it's not a solution because uh, any kind of proof of work can be industrialized, uh, and so any kind of proof of work change g- will uh, will get back the same incentives to create the new Bitmain. So uh, there are uh, a couple of arguments in favor of the proof of work change, uh, in favor of the fact that the proof of work change will not recreate the same situation uh, from back from where we started. The first argument is that. Uh, the sheer fact that there has been a proof of work change in order to punish miner produce mining 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 hardware producers, uh, this would be a game theoretical um, um, uh, let's say uh, a game theoretical disincentive to create centralization again. But I think this is a very very weak argument because in the short term, sure, if uh, we change proof of work and we destroy Bitmain. That's that's good for everybody. I'm very happy. That's pleasant to see. And for sure, in in the in the next years, they will not be the next Bitmain. But then, in the in the long run, uh, the market tends to forget and forgot and forgive. And any kind of negative feedback, uh, traumatic and concentrated in a single point, uh, gets diluted and gets forget forget uh, forgotten uh, uh, along the years. Like after empty Gox. Everybody was very, very aware of the problem of um, uh, market uh, ex- exchange, market cap centralization in one exchange. Now, I mean, if we have the if Bitfinex right now gets uh, gets eighty uh, percent of the market, people doesn't remember the problem so uh, so vividly, so, so so closely. And the second problem is that um, is that even if you do uh, that. 
basically, you are just stopping from overt centralization. So uh, the next bitmain maybe will, will not be uh, overtly and, and openly a monopolist, but it will start to be secretly and, uh, and covertly a monopoly. And that's very, very difficult to detect and counteract. Uh, the second good argument about, uh, uh, in favor of a proof of work change is that uh, we could do, uh, we could make not an ASICs resistant uh, proof of work, which doesn't make any sense. There is not such a thing as uh, ASIC resistance, uh, theoretically speaking, but uh, an ASICs friendly proof of work. And doing that, uh, maybe we could uh, uh, lower the barriers to entry to ASICs production so much that creating huge monopolies gets difficult because uh, it, it gets very, very simple to create an ASIC. So everybody can do it, um, not everybody meaning the, the average Joe, but meaning every company can do it and it's less uh, and less easy to centralize it. Um, there are some discussion with the proof of work change proposals right now about uh, optic instead of electronics that can very interesting. Uh, ideally, you could change proof of work getting close to the thermodynamical limit, uh, in, in which case uh, you basically have the best proof of work algorithm possibly. Uh, this is a, another good argument, but I think it gets counteracted by the, the argument that uh, if uh, changing proof of work, uh, Chitris Paribus, without killing Bitcoin was possible, we should do that uh, for this, probably for this second argument. But uh, uh, the problem is that uh, uh, is nobody knows if it's possible to coordinate Bitcoin around the proof of work change without uh, killing it or seriously damaging it. Uh, the thing is that uh, when you have to coordinate a big chain to Bitcoin, a big R fork, uh, you have basically two problems uh, or two faces of the of the coin. Uh, if you do not coordinate the market well enough, the market will split up and you will not recover a shelling point again. And so you, you basically destroy Bitcoin in, or seriously damage it and these, uh, and these probabilities of, and these odds of success, uh, spreading uh, the, the money and the attention and the knowledge into several competing uh, uh, branches. So basically you, you, you fork or better, you split the network in several little branches because there is no coordination to do that. Or even worse, on the other side of the coin, if you have too much coordination, you create a centralization point. So the people who get to decide the new proof of work are so effective in coordinating the change, like Vitaly Buterin is on Ethereum. Uh, you don't have many problems when at Ethereum hard forks every, every other month because you have a very, very centralized development team and decision-making uh, authority. So uh, the, 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 the one worst-case scenario would be uh, failure of consensus. And another, uh, even worst-case scenario, uh, would be uh, uh, success at consensus because of complete centralization, which would be then very, very easy to take over uh, eventually. So uh, for this reason, while a, a theoretically a proof-of-work change could be interesting, we could, uh, uh, yeah, we could get ASIC friendly and, and so on. Uh, and we could destroy the first enemy of Bitcoin uh, in this regard, which is Bitmain, uh, maybe giving a signal to the future enemies of Bitcoin. I don't think, I mean, I think that's scary, that's dangerous, and that should be done only if Bitcoin faces uh, a, a, an existential threat 
from uh, money centralization. And I don't think it does because what uh, uh, what Bcash and, and Bitcoin 2x showed us uh, and Segwit activation through uh, USF showed us is that uh, miners are not and, and, and ASICs producers are not in control of Bitcoin. They cannot control Bitcoin. They can slow down a little bit uh, update, upgrades, fair, okay, but they cannot uh, impose uh, controversial changes. And so there is basically uh, not yet an existential threat uh, that justifies something as heavy as a proof of work change. I definitely agree with those, those last points in particular. Um, it is a complicated question. I tend to, myself, just personally look at it from a more simplified view. Wanted to get your thoughts. Um, back when you were talking about just trying to increase competition, that could be a, a really good thing for Bitcoin. You know, so it's not just Bitmain mining, but there's you know, opportunity uh, for many other companies to get involved. I think that that would be a natural, or at least I'd like to believe, I mean, it's still an open experiment, as we all know, but I think that would be a natural result of higher value and higher price uh, for Bitcoin. And, and when you start to see a market around the globe that really looks like other major commodity markets, then we could maybe start to ask the question, like, how centralized is that? Because um, we actually have on our website, like the trailing 12 month mining industry annual revenue. And right now it's at all time highs. Uh, it was, it's not growing as fast because the price has been falling, but it's about like six and a half billion dollars. But that's nothing compared, you know, gold, the gold market is a hundred billion dollar plus industry a year. The oil market is a trillion dollar plus industry a year. Yeah. Uh, these just, these, the Bitcoin market is not developed enough to really see distributed actors around the world, ha- like really knowing what it is and having the interest to, to mine and compete with someone like, like Bitmain. So I, I tend to just look at it as a, a sort of wait and see. And, and once the global cost of capital in Bitcoin reflects other markets, then we could probably start to ask the real question about how centralized it is. I absolutely agree. I think that the value of Bitcoin will be uh, a possibly a decentralization force when, uh, when we get to the, those levels and also uh, technical uh, commodification of ASICs. Now, just switching tunes a bit, uh, I'd like to talk about your RGB proposal. I remember you, you, you announced it on the, during the Lisbon Building on Bitcoin conference. And uh, so uh, I'd like to ask you two questions. First, the tokenization of everything and how everyone loves Bruce. <laughs> but, but I mean, first question is how far do you think the tokenization of everything can go? I mean, what things you think make sense to tokenize and what things doesn't make any sense at all? And, and then if you can spell out in more detail your RGB proposal, that will be fantastic. Okay, so first about the tokenization of everything, I'm still very, very skeptical. Uh, the, reason, the reason why the, my, my, uh, my talk, uh, presentation talk was uh, mostly ironic and mostly about how, how much we love Bruce and, and mostly uh, a, a way to prevent and, and face criticism to the idea is that I still, I'm still very critical to the idea of token uh, on top of Bitcoin itself. Uh, uh, the RGB project is a, is a, is a project in which uh, we try to, to be open to the possible uses of tokenization and we try to at least uh, get to a point in which we, we uh, propose the less wrong uh, way to do that uh, in general because people is doing that 
and is doing that in very, very wrong ways. So uh, we, we figured out that the proposing uh, the, the less wrong way to do tokens would be, uh, would be good because uh, we, we could uh, avoid uh, uh, the, 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 worst, uh, the worst evil, let's say. Uh, also, uh, actually for us, for many of BHB Network and other contributors and Peter Todd, RGB project is just an alibi. It is, a, uh, it is a basically a, a, an excuse in order to uh, experiment with the client-side validation model. So I, I, will, I will try to give you a very, very quick uh, um, uh, explanation or, or a very, very quick image of what that is. Uh, but anyway, there is this new architecture, uh, this architecture that Peter wanted to explore uh, on Bitcoin or similar project. And instead of doing an altcoin about that, we are using the excuse of the tokenized assets in order to research on that. And that could be useful for Bitcoin and for Lightning Network in itself. So we are, we are very, very excited about that. Uh, so getting back to your first question, uh, I still think that there are many, many cases in which tokenization uh, itself, so uh, regardless the fact that you are doing it on a blockchain, on Bitcoin, on a decentralized system, but tokenization, uh, hyper-tokenization in itself uh, mostly doesn't work in many, many uh, cases and many, many fields. There was a very, very good, uh, there was a very, very good article. I, I don't remember uh, where and, and which uh, um, uh, by, uh, by Elaine Wu, uh, it was probably in, on Forbes or something like that. And she was uh, taking a lot of, uh, giving a lot of examples of uh, early internet company that tried to tokenize the use of internet and, uh, and companies would try to tokenize the uh, pay-per-view model uh, in, uh, in uh, entertainment or stuff like that. And usually the market doesn't really, uh, 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 the market at, uh, uh, at equilibrium doesn't really love to, uh, hyper tokenization. The, the producer, they love to do uh, like uh, uh, flat uh, offers. They like to de-tokenize things, not to tokenize things. Uh, you usually, we, we got to a per kilobyte uh, payment system in internet to flat models for internet. So the normal market dynamics uh, are usually going the other way around. And also when, when you think about the token as representative of the, 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 the atomic uh, particle of the, of the service offered, we, have, we see most, many, many dynamics that, that go the other way into uh, flatization instead of tokenization. And uh, when you think about the token as a mean to pay for a service, so the typical token of a coin up uh, uh, video game, uh, uh, video game arcade, or you think about the, the telephone coins, uh, the telephone tokens that we used uh, back in the, in the 80s and in the 90s, uh, there are like uh, inferior alternatives to money. If I can use money to pay for this service, I prefer to use money instead of a token, a, fee, a casino fish that is restricted. The reason casinos are using casinos fish, uh, fishes is not that they are more efficient or more pleasant. It's just that they want, it's just for security reasons so, uh, uh, or for control reasons. Uh, the markets are, and, and the platforms are more efficient without tokens with just money to pay for things. So in general, I'm skeptical. I'm even more skeptical about decentralized, uh, permissionless, censorship-resistant tokens because there are very, very few cases in which I think they make any sense. If Starbucks wanted to make a token about uh, a Frappuccino, 
Uh, I don't I don't see the, the utility, but if they want to do that, they should do that on Starbucks databases and not on, on the blockchain because there's no reason to do that. So in general, uh, I think that uh, we will not see the tokenization of everything, but probably uh, this tokenization fed will will fed away uh, as a as a as just a, a, a yet another hype. That said, I try to uh, insulate in my talk some examples in which uh, the use of decentralized tokens or, or or things or assets on a blockchain can make some sense. Uh, one example that I came out with that I, that I think and we think uh, in many discussions can make any, uh, some sense is uh, basically the tokenization of uh, uh, digital collectibles. So the typical rare peeps, uh, cards or, or, uh, or, or uh, crypto kitties. Uh, this kind of stuff can make sense because when you have a collectible, uh, you can have, you can want a digital collectible. And the fact that the centralized digital collectible uh, existing uh, relies on the uh, on the functioning uh, on a functioning centralized platform. So uh, if if you buy a Beanie Baby right now, you will still have a Beanie Baby in thirty years. While if you buy or or a post stamp, if you buy a digital collectible on a platform right now, whenever the platform will be not profit, profitable enough or or whatever, they will shut down and you will be you will remain without digital digital collectible. So the 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 uh, lifespan of the collectible could be a good case to put it on a blockchain. Of course, the way the way people is doing that right now with CryptoKitties suck because uh, CryptoKitties, for example, are completely dependent on a centralized platform. So you cannot trade and use CryptoKitties on Ethereum without a centralized entity. So that 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 uh, basically dismissed the, the the whole point. Uh, but in theory, an independent uh, and we are working in into a a contract template in RGB to do that. Uh, the second possible uh, use case for a token could be fiat tokenization for the specific purpose of uh, uh, fiat versus Bitcoin trading in a decentralized way. So uh, you have a Latin network and atomic swaps that can make you uh, uh, um, exchange atomically and trustlessly and permissionlessly Bitcoin with something else. But this something else has to be a, a, a crypto thing uh, and, and not a fiat thing. So you could have uh, something like Tether, uh, could be a, a good idea to divide the exchange phase from the uh, blockchainization phase. So you give $1 to this company, this company gives you back one representation of that dollar on the blockchain uh, with a lot of possible excuses, like this is just a voucher to redeem your deposit or whatever. And then you use this crypto voucher uh, to exchange it atomically with real bitcoins uh, and, and you create all the exchange part in a decentralized way while you concentrate the, the you, you limit the centralization to the initial gateway, which is not an exchange. Uh, well, there, there are many, many clever ways to do that. Also, uh, you can have, for example, a, a version of Tether, which is completely regulated uh, and they do only uh, uh, um, they do only issue uh, Tether dollars to uh, KYC AML actors. They do only redeem Tether dollars to KYC AML actors, but the protocol is, is, is built in a such a way that they cannot see, that they cannot know if in between there have been any kind of uh, secondary market exchange. So they have perfect plausible deniability in order to do that. So this is the second, the second model that I see. 
the, the third model that I see is more complicated and it's like uh, something like the BSQ token. You know that the BSQ, the centralized exchange, is trying to build... A... We've interviewed uh, Chris Beams. Oh, great. Uh, and, and they're doing a good job, in my opinion. Uh, of course, this, this idea of the DAO is very, very ambitious borderline crazy, uh, probably it's too early to do something uh, that can is actually work. So uh, I, I hope they will succeed, but it's a very, very difficult task. But this is a serious attempt and uh, to have some token that uh, doesn't depend from a central institution like all the ICOs uh, around, but does depend on a completely decentralized DAO, uh, even if uh, it, it's, I mean, uh, if you think, if you listen about uh, DAO token, you, you get back with your memory to the DDAO disaster. So, but, but, but if you try to do a, a serious version of that, it's very, very difficult to get it right. But if you do that, that makes sense to have decentralized shares, decentralized voting rights, decentralized dividend uh, royalties uh, on, uh, on decentralized platforms. The last, the fourth and last use cases I see uh, is uh, uh, will, will happen more in the future, and we, it will be just for uh, interoperability. The, the the things we were saying before about Bitcoin. If all the world switches to Bitcoin for money, then when you have to represent a token for any reason, from the from a game to to whatever, there is some uh, there, there is a rationale to use a Bitcoin compatible model just because you will reuse a lot of stuff already out there. You, you will reuse uh, wallets, uh, exchanges, infrastructure, code base, uh, uh, habits uh, of the users, and so on. So right now, if I have to issue uh, um, uh, miles for, for, a, uh, for a, um, uh, a, a company, for a higher company, higher miles, I will, or minutes of higher time for, for a telephone company, I, I should not use a blockchain probably. I should just use my database. But in 10 years, if all the rest of the world is using the single Bitcoin protocol as basis of every kind of value exchanges, then there will be some reason to leverage that for my higher uh, company miles or, or whatever. Uh, so the second part of your question, what is our RGB? It's a no-profit, uh, not ICO, <laughs> tokenless, uh, meaning that we don't have, we are not selling our token. People will send their, will hopefully sell their scam tokens on top of it, but we are not scamming anybody. And uh, so it's a no-profit open source effort um, initiated by the BHB Network Foundation that I lead, but uh, it's it's open with uh, any anybody can basically uh, try to interact with it, fork it, copy it, uh, change it or whatever. Uh, and the idea is to use... Uh, uh, the old idea of color coin, uh, in a way, but um, but uh, um, um, changed with uh, the uh, client side validation idea from Peter Todd uh, to try to represent it in one sentence. The idea is that you don't put on the blockchain uh, the the transfer of the asset. You uh, you give the proof of the transfer of the asset to the person directly peer-to-peer, off-chain, and then you put on the blockchain only the anti-double spending proof that you uh, transfer the asset. And this makes it uh, more scalable, more private, more flexible, and fixes a lot of problems of previous attempts like counterparty or correct coin. And the second thing is that this uh, this, uh, uh, project is uh, natively, and from day one, uh, completely 
built on top of Lightning Network. So we are trying to leverage in any single point of Lightning Network that we can leverage. And there are many points that we can leverage because the client-side validation idea means that we have to pass off-band a specific proof just like uh, Lightning Network people has to, uh, to pass uh, channel updates of band. So we, we can leverage the same mechanism. And also uh, we can do routing of tokens using Lightning Network uh, liquidity uh, in, a, in a very clever way. And we can uh, uh, and also uh, people using Lightning Network have to back up not just their seed, but also their partial states, uh, just the same way that RGB users will have to back up their uh, their their off chain proofs. So there are a lot of uh, uh, um, there are uh, b basically RGB uh, client side validation model by Peter Todd and Lightning Network face very very similar challenges in some in some regards. So we are trying to work very very closely with. Uh, we will present RGB again uh, in uh, Berlin in uh, the first of September in the Lightning Network meetup in uh, in Berlin. Uh, and we are trying to be, to stay very very close to the Lightning Network development and to ask them to stay very very close to us because there there are some there are overlaps in the in the strategy. Awesome! I would love to ask a ton of follow ups, but we're already running uh, long, Giacomo. So I just want to ask you one more, if I can, and I want to pivot uh, just once more. We've talked about a lot of great topics already, and that is on the Lightning Network. A lot of steam behind it right now. A lot of interest and a lot of activity. So. A multiple choice as we as we close the show. If I asked you, the Lightning Network is A, an altcoin, B, a fractional reserve system, C, banking centralization that requires a trusted third party, or D, none of the above, how would you answer that? Absolutely, D, no, no, none of the above. Uh, A and B are literally uh, nonsense. So uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin over Lightning Network is not an altcoin, uh, not any more than, than uh, Bitcoin in a multi-sig is an altcoin. Uh, Bitcoin on Lightning Network is Bitcoin in any possible imaginable sense, economical or technical. Bitcoin uh, on Lightning Network cannot allow fractional reserve. Any kind of transfer on Lightning Network is fully backed in with all Bitcoin and cannot be otherwise. The D uh, objection is mostly, um, uh, it's, it's very uh, misrepresented and uh, misunderstood. And so there is people that think that uh, Lightning Network adds centralization, can add centralization to Bitcoin. It cannot. Uh, in a way, uh, this could be a valid criticism, uh, meaning that Lightning Network in itself will probably not end up to be completely distributed in any kind of, of, uh, of metric, uh, there will be uh, huge, uh, uh, there will be some hubs. Uh, of course, the, the word hub is, is, a, is wrong because any single, uh, every, every uh, Lightning Network node with more than one uh, channel is potentially a routing hub itself. So everybody is a hub. But of course, there will be uh, nodes with more liquidity and uh, those nodes with more liquidity, they are not banks, they are not uh, permissioned because everybody can permissionlessly put, uh, uh, create their nodes. So they would be pseudonymous, uh, censorship resistant, uh, open access to everybody, open source. So nothing uh, that can anyhow resemble uh, our closed 
permissioned state-run, state-regulated financial industry. But still, it it would be uh, wrong to completely dismiss this kind of big node objection because uh, there are two problems that you can have with very, very big node. The first problem is basically um, uh, uh, like denial of service attacks. So uh, your counterpart in the Lightning Channel cannot steal your Bitcoin, but it can make you lose uh, a lot of time if they shut down during a routing operation or or they lock your Bitcoin, uh, becoming unresponsive. So uh, if you if you are a target of a denial service attack, uh, you do not lose your funds. Hopefully, if you react properly, but uh, you do. Uh, you do suffer some kind of economical damage. So having the network centralized in very, very few nodes is bad because if these nodes are, to, are, are took down, then many people can suffer uh, a, a, an economical loss, not in Bitcoins, but in, in time, basically, and, and in access to their Bitcoin, which is bad. And the second point is privacy. Uh, Lightning Network, is, if it's very, very decentralized, it's wonderful for privacy because uh, nobody, it's on your routed, so uh, uh, you can, uh, the, the payer and the payees are the only one who know the, 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 the routing, they are the only one who know what's happening and the blockchain and the blockchain analyst companies will not be able to understand and to track and to taint and to cluster. So that's great. Uh, but if we end up with uh, uh, with a normal uh, use of the Lightning Network in which many, many normal users will start to uh, just uh, uh, rely on the single hope of this single giant node, let's say everybody uses only the Blockstream node in order to pay, then the Blockstream uh, with one hope. So I want to pay you, uh, since everybody in the world is connected with the Blockstream hope, then I will uh, use the blockchain, the Blockstream node in order to pay you in in two single hopes. If that's the case, uh, the, the Blockstream node will have all the information again to uh, to try to anonymize everybody again. It's, it's the the thing is very important to understand in regarding of everything centralization, the anonymization. If that is that in the worst case scenario. Uh, lighting gets as bad as Bitcoin as we have it now. So right now in Bitcoin, in order to have uh, quick uh, trades and quick transfer, we use centralized trust-based solution, like uh, people using XAP or Coinbase or uh, or ChangeTip uh, back then in the days. Uh, it, when you want to, 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 ex- to exchange Bitcoin in small, fast uh, transaction, we do use centralized counterparties uh, and trust-based counterparties that can do fractional reserves uh, and etc. Uh, with Lightning Network, that will be uh, transferred from centralized trust-based uh, counterparty that can do anything to a kind of decentralized trustless counterparties. So it can only be, again, not a loss from the present situation. And even for privacy, the worst case, the worst, uh, the worst case scenario is that some big nodes will have the same information that everybody now already has about the blockchain. So then they will have to apply all the blockchain analytics techniques in order to anonymize uh, people. So um, the, uh, the, the, the right answer is, uh, uh, is uh, none of the above, but uh, there is some merit into the war, the, 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 into the, um, uh, the, the awareness that we, we should try to avoid uh, any kind of uh, reliance on very, very few big nodes uh, 
because that will be better than the situation we have now. That will be still a decentralized Bitcoin that will not affect Bitcoin layer one, but uh, that will not uh, basically express the full potential of the Lightning Network idea. So if we have a super decentralized Lightning Network, that's way, way, way more powerful than than if we have a few uh, centralized nodes. And the graph right now uh, will not actually uh, uh, corroborate uh, uh, those kind of concern because the graph right now is pretty much decentralized. That's good enough for me. I think that's a good way to uh, end the discussion today, Giacomo. Uh, really appreciate your time. As we close it, where can our listeners find out more about uh, what you do? Uh, you can find more of what we are doing, uh, basically following me personally in my troll accounts on Twitter, basically. Uh, there is a, there is a, some information of BHB network about RGB and stuff, but it's still not very, very well uh, organized. So I guess that before the end of the summer, before September, uh, we will probably have a more reliable structure uh, of uh, a website of what uh, BHP Network is, is doing. Uh, where you can follow, for example, RGB project very, very closely is GitHub. If you go on GitHub, uh, RGB slash, uh, sorry, RGB dash org uh, um, organization of uh, Git on GitHub, you can find all the RGB repositories and discussions going on about the specification. And uh, as for me, you can uh, basically uh, uh, following me every day, kind of every day, in the Tom Vase uh, Bitcoin Morning Brief, and uh, in many of the coming conferences, I will be in uh, Riga for Baltic Honey Badger. I will be in uh, in Prague for the uh, Acker Congress. I will be in in Santiago of Chile for the uh, the Latin American Bitcoin Conference. I will be kind of everywhere in the next month. So. Uh, it's kind of easy to find me around there. Well, good luck with uh, all your travels. Looking forward to seeing you uh, next month in Riga. And uh, yeah, really interesting stuff. Giacomo, thanks a lot for, for traveling uh, many different paths and topics here today with us. Wish you all the best in the future. Thank you very much to you. It was a pleasure. It was an honor to be here. Thanks. Thank you very much, Giacomo. 